And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. That screaming by Lance in the beginning of that intro. Is he looking at the dollar? What is he doing? Did his moving averages cross at just the right time? Inquiring minds would like to know. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP. Danny Ratliff, CFP. Good morning, world. Your little ray of sarcastic, sarcastic sunshine has arrived. Futures are up. Won't last. 91 points. 10-year treasuries down a bit. Always helpful. Yesterday was just a rotten apple day, Danny. Literally. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, we get today, we get uh, University of Michigan consumer sentiment. We'll see if it's at 59.5 expected. Um, overall, it's been a tumultuous week. I am happy it's over. Saying good words and prayers for the people of Florida as the destruction reigns. Could not believe what Fort Myers looked like. That's a beautiful town. If anybody's ever been there, that side of Florida is just gorgeous. The beaches are amazing. Sarasota, Fort Worth, Naples. Um, but they showed the before and after Danny of Fort Myers, and you can't even recognize it by the water. It's yeah, just, it, it uh, is devastating. So you have 2 million still without power, 700 plus rescued so far, and we'll see. Storm has regained traction and heading up through the Carolinas, so we give, wish the best for everybody uh, up there. You know, it's well. an, an area that goes through these things, you know, I'm not going to say often, but often enough to have experience with it. I don't think you ever get used to it. No. Well, no. I mean, I was through, uh, what was the hurricane we had probably around 2004 or five? Was it here? Um, mm -hmm. It's sort of near where we are, up north side in the woodlands. Um, we had Ike in 08. Then we had maybe, Rita. Maybe that was Ike. Right before it. No, yeah, after it. Maybe no, it was because it was during the financial crisis because mm -hmm. the whole world was coming apart and we had yeah. no communication. Yeah, I that remember. was Ike. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just remember the winds and... I mean, it's a frightening experience to oh, go man, through I something had like that. Hundred foot mm -hmm. pine trees came out of the ground. I mean, wow. Yeah, it was amazing, in a in a, in a bad way. Yeah, no, <clears throat> and those things are full of water, right? Those things fall on your home and forget it. Yeah. So that's pretty frightening. So we we have good words. So um, speaking of storms, we've got financial storms that we're dealing with. One is the dollar, right? Um, Taking account inflation, the Citibank's index of the dollar says it's the index shows that the dollar is back to its high um, since inception in 1989 of this index. In other words, it hasn't tracked the dollar the way it is right now. We also have a storm in bond markets, and we know that. So this is an interesting note from Deutsche Bank. They said in when it comes to bonds, Danny. All the gains over the last 10 years have been eliminated. In a data set they have going back to 1750, the only negative return 10-year periods have come in the wake of wars. U.S. War of Independence, Franco-Prussian War, to the 20th century's two world wars. So 
it's funny because it's not funny, but this collapse like this is without the destruction of war. So it's unprecedented to see bonds acting the way they are, right? Some money managers, some institutional managers are saying treasuries are the best deal out there. Jeffrey Gunlack's been talking about it uh, as well. If you don't know who he is, look him up, known as the new bond king uh, overall. So, um, but it's been painful. That 60-40 allocation, I think, Danny, for as long as I've been in this business, I'm sure as long as you, that is the most painful I've seen. What well, is? I mean, even even for us right now, when we're underweight bonds and specifically longer duration bonds, we still have some in the portfolio, and that is the thorn in everyone's side. I mean, I can assure you, nobody <laughs> likes that position right now. However, we have a really high conviction that longer term, this is going to turn out to be to be probably one of the the I, better spots to be in. I totally agree. But everybody, when you're an investor and you're not a trader, there's a fine line. Therefore. People, when we build into a trade sometimes, it'll take us a year or longer, even though we have a sell discipline. And um, if this trade or long treasury doesn't work, uh, there's a bigger issue. In other words, if you believe the Fed's going to have to break something here, then being long duration treasuries is going to work. If this is a soft landing and everything's going to be fine, it's not. So what are the odds, Dan? <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. So we're in a soft landing right now. We are? No, I mean, if this is a soft landing, I don't want to see what a, what a hard <laughs> landing is. I mean, oh, my God, if this is the soft landing. This is like the bed of nails, soft landing. But, yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. And if you have to look at a distressed asset class, this is it. And when there's a flight to quality... <clears throat> I was saying to someone yesterday, we may look dysfunctional to each other, but once you circle the globe, it looks worse. There's a lot of what's been, what's been happening, civil unrest across the, across the world. Uh, the fourth turning. If you haven't read the book, you should. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing mystical about it. It's just pragmatically showing how the world goes through cycles seasons per se uh and we are in the winter of this season which means you question everything down to the threads of the culture the dna of your culture and that leads to tumultuous tumultuous times in the market so i think danny over this period that we're going to see maybe over the next 10 years stocks will absolutely go back to the rightful owners and some of this momentum trade, although it will work shorter term, especially if you get counter cyclical rallies, you better be patient and go back to understanding that if I buy a stock on Monday, it may not do be okay by Friday and I have to have conviction and I've done my homework. That is going to take a lot of people out of the game whether tenured investors or new. Well, the days are gone where you can talk to your neighbor and, and talk about something that they really like or, or you really like or a store that you shop at frequently and say, hey, I'm going to buy this company because it's going to go up and I want to support them. And I think we can all do well because I, I walk in and it's always busy. Those days are gone. I think you're going to have to start reading the balance sheet. 
understand fundamentals and and how these things actually work. Now, granted, right now we can make arguments that there's some companies that are much more uh, fundamentally sound right now, but technically we we couldn't we, touch. We them can't yet. touch them. So we had this conversation yesterday, and I sent a I sent a study from the Atlanta Fed to Mike Leibowitz yesterday. And he came back and said, hey, I really love this. You know, every morning we have an investment discussion for the most part, early in the morning. And we had one Pepsi versus Meta. Now these are not recommendations to buy. But what we did talk about, and we'll get, we'll get to it on the other side of the break, is which one is the better investor investment at this time? Well, you're gonna have to wait to hear that answer when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com if your portfolio looks more like a horror show you won't want to miss our next candid coffee on dealing with bloody markets no tricks just treats from richard rosso and danny radliff with some not so spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash don't be spooked by markets or danny's bathroom on our next candid coffee saturday october 1st register now at realinvestmentadvice.com candid coffee with radliff and rosso realinvestmentadvice.com the Real Investment Show. Hey, who's this? I don't get any respect, I tell you. I get none. It's a treasury bond. Now, if you believe that the Fed is a focused solely on getting core inflation back down to 2%, without acknowledging how much economic pain it's going to cause and don't care, then being long-duration bonds is going to be for you. If you believe the Fed's going to bail us out, long-duration trades are bonds are for you. What I'm saying is sometimes the most painful trades will be your most lucrative ones. That doesn't mean you throw fundamentals out the window. So we had this conversation about Meta versus Pepsi. And obviously these non-cyclical uh, consumer stocks have been where investors have hid. Makes sense, right? Food and beverage stocks. Uh, I'm always going to eat, right? I'm going to have my Fritos. I snack during the day. Pepsi's done a great job not only tackling the beverage market, but the snacking market. Because it seems like Americans snack all the time. But Meta, which is off, how, how, how far is Meta off this year? Like 60%? Danny, I I'm just, to, yeah, somewhere around but, there. Okay, like 56% but, well, yesterday, but we looked at the balance sheet. You know, Lance gave us an example yesterday. Michael, looking at the balance sheet cash flow statements, that Meta looks like a better buy than Pepsi. But nobody wants to talk, touch tech stocks here. Some of the best investors are going to buy when there's blood in the water. Now it's like the set of The Walking Dead. We got blood, we got guts, we got all kinds of stuff out there. Even though the general market's down about 23%, Go underneath the surface. There is a lot of carnage. 
So a smart investor right now is going to look to get their buy list together. And steer away from the, try to steer away from the areas that have sort of been the calm in the storm because they're expensive. That's very counterintuitive to what we want to do. And I think the long duration trade, Danny, is very counterintuitive um, and painful. <laughs> A lot of these stocks, I mean, there are so many things out there that are painful right now, Rich. Oh, look at home builder stocks, right? I mean, they have good balance sheets. It's just not the, maybe not the right time to buy. I mean, if you have cash, cash is not trash, you should be doing your homework right now. And you should have a list together right now. Or well, use Simple Advisor to do your homework. You should have a list together ready to go. And I think that's what smart clear-headed, rules-based investors do. Now, the poor people who are buying homes right now, we have U.S. home prices falling for the first time in a decade. Mortgage rates, I think, Danny, are going to hit seven, 30-year mortgage rates. Yeah, it's not good. So the Case-Shiller Index fell um, 0.44% in July. That's the first drop since March of 2012 and in certain markets it's it's fairly painful especially the the pandemic hot markets because even though there is a hybrid schedule in work and i still think that's going to last there are many people that one decided hey i think this hybrid thing is great but then find out i don't like it i read this whole article yesterday danny it was really a, just a whiny kind of thing but it was an insider and uh, insider.com from a woman who moved from California to Texas and it's so harsh here. She was crying like a little girl. She's like the bugs and the weather and you know, and, and all the Houstonites have guns and they're ready to shoot you at any time. I mean, it, <laughs> so there are people that are regretting uh, making their decision. I revel in your pain, lady, by the way. Um, I don't think I feel bad for you. Um, go back. If you don't like it, you can move. I can't. I can't move because the humidity. All right, whatever. All I'm saying is the whole housing market is uh, in upheaval. People that moved out to some rural areas are deciding that I don't think this is for me. I don't know how people make such impetuous decisions about such a big financial, I, uh, one of the most important largest financial decisions you're going to make, and people just do it like willy-nilly. Willy-nilly is one of our new financial terms for today. Ring the bell, Mr. Brent. Ding! Willy-nilly. willy-nilly was one of our new advisors. <laughs> that, that, that's a great name for an advisor. Yeah. Willy-nilly. So what do you think, Danny? Danny's very occupied with something this morning. I don't know what he's doing. Over I think there. he's chatting with people in the YouTube <laughs> chat window. <laughs> I think he is too. We have a very obnoxious, in a loving way, YouTube group. They yes. are the best. I would like to get them all in a room live. Wouldn't that be a hoot? With those, uh, what are those, rock'em, sock'em, those, th <laughs> those things you used to hit people with, yeah. the, the soft, nerfy yeah. things. What fun we would have. Mm -hmm. Hit Lance. Or let's take him out for laser tag. That would be fun. 
Or just boxing gloves. <laughs> no, let's <laughs> It's always some stuff in high school. Hey, you have a problem? Great. Get the gloves. All right. Work it out, guys. Now you write artic- whiny articles for market insider. Amy, can I move and Nike and I can't turn it anymore? Oh, <laughs> the bugs are gosh. so big and scary. Oh, my goodness. It was enough to make me puke. Um, but I think everybody's behaviors have changed substantially coming out of the pandemic where, yes. you know, you're, you're stuck inside. And you thought, you know what? You only live once. You get that YOLO, but in a totally different type of environment. And you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick up and move. I've always wanted to do this. Um, like, you know, maybe that's why we're planners, Danny. Because I can't fathom just going, wee, I'm going to pick up and move across no, the country. No. Way. You know, I mean, like, that's where I guess. No. You know, right? Could you see yourself like, okay, I'm not going to plan this all out, figure it out, wait till a better time. Look through all, look, I'm going to look at this from every step imaginable before I do this. <laughs> Holistically. What, I mean, what, like, what are all the, what are all the things that can go wrong? You know, it's so funny. <laughs> we, we talk about a lot of different things here and topics that range, you know, the gamut, but mm-hmm. When we talk about investments, you know, we'll talk about a pros and cons list. And we do this within a financial plan, especially within our what if scenarios. Mm-hmm. But, you know, should you make this type of investment or should you make this move? OK, well, let's let's talk about it. What are the pros and cons from living in this state to moving to this state or um, the financial implications? Right. I, I think they're huge. They are huge. But so many times I think people don't even think that far into it and think this is what I feel or what I want at the moment. And boom, we're going to go. Especially if I'm going to a place that is so different from where I lived before. I mean, it's a dramatic change. Seasonally, I mean, what? just run the gamut of dramatic change, right? You're not going to make me cry on your break because I want to leave so bad, but I'm not going to because I'm lazy. What? Just remember. Ooh, that hurt. <laughs> you're refugees, not missionaries. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I just can't take it anymore. That's a good way to put it. It is a really good way to put it. You moved because you didn't like it there. You want to come here and make here like there. But don't do that. Don't do it. You have to understand where, although there are, if you know, if you match up culturally, politically, there are, Texas is big enough for you to find that. But you're still going to deal with the bugs. You're still going to deal with the weather. You're not going to get. The snakes. They're everywhere, the guys. snakes if crawl at night. Here. Some of them have two legs. Hey, uh, I'm telling you. They, I had a. I took the dogs out in the backyard, and there, a, there was a, there was a bug that dive bombed me. But since I'm used to living in Texas, I'm like, come at me, bug. It was the size of a bird. I thought it was a hummingbird. It was a bug. I've never seen this kind of flying thing before. I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on. This is Texas, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I've when I first moved here, I'd be fly right. But now you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had two copperheads in the backyard. And you're like, and you're like last Friday, as a matter of fact. So what do you do when that happens? You have to take care of it. I don't want to hurt a lot of people's feelings. I know, but but I mean, yeah, but you gotta protect your animals, kids, your kids and, animals, and yeah. all that. Yeah. 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 You pull out your plunker. <laughs> Not hey. <laughs> you're, you're well, everybody walks around their six shooters. Yeah. So yeah, you're well, according to this woman, I'm afraid there are guns everywhere. Like, what are we the the, the Texan from The Simpsons shooting up in the air? Woohoo! 
I mean, come on, lady. My favorite part is when you, you go somewhere else, you're traveling out of state, and they're uh, like, oh, so you guys ride horses? Um, when I, the first trip I took Haley to, to New York City, I took Haley, and um, they, all the police are really cool. And we're talking to NYPD in Times Square, and there were a bunch of them together. And I said, hey, I've lived here for years, and I moved to to Houston, moved to Texas. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> you ride a horse down the main street, tie it up. Yeah, man, that's funny shit. <clears throat> funny crap right there. I mean, he was these guys, and I'm like, you know, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. So you're right, Danny, that's... <laughs> Then you get here and like, there's where are the horses? Well, so now every time that we we go somewhere out of state, I wear like the tuxedo T-shirt. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Cowboy hat. I shave handlebars in. It drives my wife nuts. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, oh, my. I'm just saying um, it's uh, it, so people that are finally starting to get the, the picture of maybe especially going through a a, a summer in Texas, and I don't even think the summer was that bad this year. Yeah, I give it about a seven or an eight. Oh yeah, I, I mean, the, but the it's summer normal. Made me it want was to, sort of normal. Want right. to travel somewhere else for the rest of the summer and every year? Well, that's what a lot of clients do, right? Yeah, they say, "Listen, I'm at Rich. I can't meet with you. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'll see you in October." <laughs> and then I always say the same thing to every client: "I live, I live through you." <laughs> Send me photos. And they send me these beautiful fall photos. And, and cool weather. And cool weather. And I'm like, you know, but that's what our clients worked hard to do. Have the freedom. Had the dis- did all the discipline to make those kinds of decisions. More, ta- more power to them. When we get back, we want to talk about how do money scripts predict your financial behaviors? Ooh. Here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. If your portfolio looks more like a horror show, you won't want to miss our next Candid Coffee on dealing with bloody markets. No tricks, just treats. From Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff with some not-so-spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash. Don't be spooked by markets or Danny's bathroom. On our next Candid Coffee, Saturday, October 1st. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Darren here on YouTube goes, In Maine, when I see a Texas license plate, I get this calming feeling. (laughs) This funny part is the same thing happened to me when I was in Stowe, Vermont. Right? Which is its own little world. It's it's bucolic. It's it's it's, it's amazing. They have great little restaurants. I mean, it's just like normal rock. Norman Rockwell threw up, right? It's 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 everything you see in a quintessential kind of town. Uh, and um, I'm behind a guy with a Texas license plate, and he pulls into the pancake restaurant. So I pull in too, <laughs> and he gets out. 
He's like, where's this going? He's kind of, ah, you know, because it's clean air and stuff. I'm like, you're from Texas? He goes, yeah. He says, everybody here is afraid of me. I love it. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. He's just like this jolly guy. He says, I'm here on vacation. My daughter lives up here. And he goes, I don't know why she moved up here. It's nice, but I'd go crazy because the people here, woo. Um, but he's like, but he goes, people see my car and stuff and they look at me like, what is he going to do? It, <laughs> he goes, I feel like an alien. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, I said, where are you? Where's your big hat and all that? He's just laughing. So that was sort of funny. So it's just, you never know when you're going to run into a Texan. Yeah, the funny thing I think is that most people think it's like a, you know, it's just desert or farmland. Like if you've been to one part of Texas, you think that that's all there is. Like if you go, you fly into IAH and you go to the woodlands, you think it's just pine trees. Or if you go to even Katy, I mean, even in Houston, the the it's just so diverse the terrain. But yeah. when you really that's start what, going in other word areas, the, that's that's diverse is the good word for Houston as far as terrain. Yeah, as but, long as you hit the billboard, and the Asian spa. And uh, what? What else? A car lot. There's Houston. If there's an empty space, like an empty space, like they took a place well, down. Well, you will see those three things. All of a sudden, there's a car lot. Yeah. That pops up. But what I'm getting at is that there's so there's such a difference in so many areas. You can be from the plains to the desert to the mountains to the beach. I mean, and great. Oh, there's so much. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. You're in Houston and you drive an hour out, hour and a half out. In my own opinion, then you feel like, to me, you're in Texas. You don't have to go that far. And you see everything that you want to see. You see your horses and your hay, and it's nice and quiet and, you know, all those things. I know Danny and I would be, like, neighbors in Chapel Hill yeah. if, we, uh, oh, yeah. if we could do it. Uh, what do you want to say there, Brent? I, I agree. I know you I, go on I your, think... Brent is always going on some road trip. Around Texas. And this month, right now, getting into October, perfect season for mm -hmm. that. With your top down? Yeah, And baby. the car, too? Mm-hmm. And allergies, uh, take your... Oh, man. It's killing me this week. What was the show I used to watch? Texas, the, the guy that would drive around, the reporter. He would, Texas something Was reporter. it Texas reporter? Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Texas Hill this, Country reporter. Yeah, we'd yeah. have these great shows where mm -hmm. he would travel in his truck all through... Texas, and I was watching those before I moved here. I was fascinated by that program. I thought it was pretty cool. I want to ride the steam engine up in uh, East Texas, up through the woods. Oh, yeah. Get an <clears throat> operating steam engine up there. And around holiday time, by the way, if you go to Grapevine, Texas, you could take the wine train. Mm. That's a lot of fun. W-I-N-E, not W-H-I-N-E. <laughs> I'm whining on the train because I don't like it here because everybody's got a gun. So, uh, I'm going to live with that. That that's. <laughs> we'll we'll have to do a promo with that uh, character. <laughs> Is it bad that we have the opposite reaction? Like everybody has a gun, you feel safe. Yeah. Yes, I feel. Like... So, I, it's really weird, but it's the opposite feeling. Except for this poor woman who had to write a whole article whining about it. Um, so your money script, Annie, very very important. They are unconscious, and their transgenerational beliefs about money, and they're developed in childhood whether you know it or not, right? Um, you all should get to know your money script. This is uh, Brad and Ted Klontz who have created this. They're financial psychologists, actually. Believe it or not, we do need 
in finance, psychologists. Um, but you can complete this Klontz money script inventory at datapoints.com. And at, uh, it's called research at datapoints.com. I took this, Danny, but give us a little bit of a, the flavor of what a money script really is. But keep in mind, they are passed down through generations, partial truth, and many times responsible for our relationship with money. And for some of us, we have had to rewrite the script so our children and our grandchildren may not take some of those negative money scripts into their lives. Yeah, so I think the, the interesting thing about this is primarily this is subconscious. Like you mentioned, Rich, mm -hmm. this is something that we all have just inherently that we've developed over the years by watching family members, by um, ex different experiences, people who've gone through 2008 crisis, or you know, if you think about like my grandparents went through the Great Depression, their money scripts were much different than probably what a lot of other people experienced thereafter. Correct. And so they can actually predict if you're going to have money disorders, which you know are rather prevalent, and I think I think most people have them, and some are good and some are bad. And so when we think about the the bad ones, they're they're really there's a handful that really stick out. And you know, the ones that are disorderly, I think is, you know, financial infidelity, which is number one on many of the yes. divorce lists, right? Mm -hmm. Infidelity, financial infidelity is number two. And that is where a lot of marriages fall apart. And I think if you're going to have one, you're more prevalent to have the other. Um, compulsive buying, pathological gambling, mm -hmm. uh, compulsive hoarding, financial yes. dependence, and financial mm -hmm. enabling. I mean, these are all things that, you know, they can be tied together. You can actually have more than one of these traits and not even know it. Yeah, it's like on a meter what traits you exhibit. Correct. Because there are different factors, right? There are categories of money scripts. Money avoidance, money status, money worship, right? Actually, these people um, who have this have lower levels of net worth, lower income, higher amounts of revolving credit, right? They wear their money on their sleeve. Unlike the millionaire next door, right, Danny? Discreet. One of the best books. Yeah. Again, we talk about this a lot, but if you need to, I always give books as gifts um, for the most part. And you have your Gen Z kids, your grandkids, you want, and I get, you get this question a lot too, Danny, right? What is the best book for them to read about money? And there are so many but The Millionaire Next Door is a money script book that I would absolutely encourage you to buy. Well, the principles Dirt. that it teaches, mm -hmm. right? I mean, so, so I started off in a, in a bank, and I remember there used to be this bank manager who you know, would come in, and she, every time somebody walk in or drive in with a fancy car, they'd be like, oh, oh, you got to go talk to them. <laughs> They've got money. And I'm like, no, they're here to pay their, pay their credit. No, they're not. But the people who would come in, and, and, and I would see CEOs of large corporations walk in, and they drive up in their in a beater. I mean, literally a car that you think would need is limping along, and you know a t-shirt and um, and jeans, and you'd never know they had a dollar. But then you'd see them at an event, and they'd show up in their you know one hundred fifty thousand dollar car, right? Because they had the money, but they didn't want to flaunt the money unless there are certain types of events. And I think that was always one thing that stuck out in my mind was that okay. You know, and, and I think that this is where some people, we talk about some of the bad, 
behaviors, which, you know, we talk about uh, some of those money scripts you just mentioned, Rich, where we avoid some of these things. And I think, you know, what's interesting, as I was thinking through this process and reading this study, I think that you can have some of these and they'll actually, one, for some people, you could have, they could one could move into the other kind of you'll, you'll, meld you'll into, grade right? You'll on avoidance, money focus, money status, money yeah. vigilance. But some of your factors are going to be higher than the others because you'll exhibit some of the bad stuff, but not enough to impact you overall. Um, so I took this test. And I scored, so when the scores are between three and four... You, I didn't realize that was your test. This that's my test. makes so much sense. <laughs> you see it? That's why I shared it with everybody. And then scores higher than four suggest you exhibit many of the characteristics. So I came in with money avoidance, low. I came in at 1.5% on that score. So higher scores on money avoidance suggest a belief that money is bad. So they, money avoiders also believe that they don't deserve money. They feel guilty about money. There's a lot of negative associations with money and the wealthy. So money avoiders could sabotage their own success or give money away in an unconscious effort to stay at a lower socioeconomic level. So I scored pretty low on that money avoidance. Money focus I scored 3.57, so that's pretty significant. So money focus believes that the key to happiness and the solution to their problems is to have more money. Um, but at the same time, they believe that one can never have enough money. And I don't know if this, this is a medium score for me because I don't have a lot of these traits. And I tried to answer this as possible because money doesn't really impress me very much. Um, but that was one of my traits was money focus because I think it's important that I don't think money buys happiness, but having lots of money gives you financial security. So when we get back, this is really good because this will also, you can take this test for free and learn a lot about you. This, I think Danny probably knows me pretty well. A lot of this is probably not surprising to him, but some of it was surprising to me, especially on the money focus. I don't define myself as money focused, but I scored a medium on that, not high. And I'll share with you when we get back where I scored the highest on the Klontz money script when we get back Financial Fitness Friday. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. If your portfolio looks more like a horror show, you won't want to miss our next Candid Coffee on dealing with bloody markets. No tricks, just treats. From Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff with some not-so-spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash. Don't be spooked by markets or Danny's bathroom. On our next Candid Coffee, Saturday, October 1st. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Well, Dow futures have deteriorated. Just like my hopes and dreams living in Texas from California. 
up only three. Tough markets, tough tapes. Um, so, Rich, before we get into your test, which, you know, out of out of discussing the money scripts, uh-huh. so the main ones, which yeah. one did you find the most interesting? Um, that's a good question. I. Well, first of all, I found the money avoidance pretty, um, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. I thought right? that was really, that, that's probably for me, that's, yeah, that's I, what I think the most. I thought so too. And, it's, and in the studies that Brad Klontz has done, um, <clears throat> he talks about that an individual, an, individual's, um, an individual's profession can predict money script patterns and vulnerability to disorders. Like... Like, uh, for example, he cites when compared to financial advisors, mental health professionals are likely to be money avoidant. Business professionals are likely to be anxious and secretive around money. And business professionals, mental health professionals, uh, educators to avoid or just avoid thinking about money or avoid looking at their financial statements or their bank statements. So the money avoidance, which I scored really low, um, I think was, yeah. I, I agree. I think we f- we find a lot of people in that space. Also, when it comes to political angst, I think those people fall into the space, don't you think? Hating the wealthy, you know, how dare or you go hating, out there. Or hating the, the politician who's in office. I mean, how many times have we heard that and then the markets yet it's still run regardless of who's in office? Right. I mean, we hear that all the time. Right. And, and I think the, the most interesting thing I think was for me reading this was that <clears throat> it says money avoider, excuse me, may sabotage your financial success or give away money in an unconscious yeah. effort to have as little as possible while at the same time they may be working excessive hours yes. in right. an effort to make money. Right. But they give it away. Like as how counterintuitive. Yeah. It's like it, they're almost like a repellent. They'll make it and then they'll send it out. They're like a conduit. Um, and I've met people like this. Uh, and it, it does affect their lives dramatically. It adds stress to be a money avoider. Well, you can be uh, a money avoider and you can also have money status, which is interesting. Because, yeah, because what is happens right. is you have lower, typically lower net worth, lower income, but you're trying to make it seem like you have more. So you're doing the compulsive buying. You're doing mm-hmm. all the things that actually help you avoid having that lifestyle that you actually are trying to yeah, you know, reflect. It's, again, you need to understand what drives you and what drives your children because they watch your relationship with money and they're going to go one direction or another. So where I scored the highest was money vigilance. That's over four. That means you have a high score on your script. So their money vigilance are alert, watchful, concerned about their financial health. They believe importance to save for the future. They believe in hard work and financial reward and those have higher levels of financial health. They're less likely to buy on credit. They tend to be somewhat anxious. What do we always say, Danny, that it's always good to be a little stressed out by money. To be alert. As opposed to the advisors that go, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. No, a little worry is good. People who actually worry, because people who come and say- Let's be be truthful here. They're telling you that, are they really taking care of it? What do you mean? They're just saying, don't worry about it. It's always okay. Of course not. No. They're just telling you, go sit on a beach somewhere. And, and they've bought in hell. Don't and, look and at your statements. And because they're not looking at it either. Now, right. I do think like right now, right. like we're in times where we can say, hey, you know what? We've run the, the plan. We understand where we're at. Mm-hmm. We've, we've raised a lot of cash. Here's, you know, I can give you some peace of mind because we've expected much, much worse. You're going to be okay. 
But, um, you know, I think we're always have a little bit of worry about it, even in good times. Absolutely. And I think that's healthy. I don't want to sit with advisor and says, ignore your statement. Don't open it. No. Uh-uh. We find, and I find, when people sit with me and they go, you know, we're so concerned about money. We're so concerned about retirement. I'm like, I don't even need to run your plan. What? I already know. You guys are good savers. You deal well with credit. I already know. And they're looking at me like, what the heck do you know? Because I can feel your money vigilance. Well, you deal with this hey, often man. enough. I mean, I'm Sebastian Gorka, and I'm here for money vigilance. You, they feel it, right? So here's the thing. Money, if you're money vigilant, uh, you are, um, it encourages saving, frugality, yep. uh, Sometimes, sometimes anxiety, right, for, to enjoy the benefits. Um, and it, having financial comfort and security is important. And I said, yeah, this is absolutely me. I have a little bit of each of these scripts, but that one stands out. So that didn't uh, surprise me. But for people that are even money avoiders, Danny, and they take this test, they, they think maybe it'll help them start to work through some of these negative behaviors and go, you know, I do do that. But you know, I mean, you got to have some sense of self-awareness to do this. And we're not really good at that here. Well, uh, we're not. It's just, this is it, one of those things I think we could also couple with the estate plan, you know, yes. encountering our own morality that yep. we're not going to live forever. Um, the same thing that, you know, people don't want to understand what they don't do well, unfortunately. It's just like people that avoid the doctor. Yes. I, that's another thing I don't really understand. Um, I want to know what my health is. I want it. I take blood tests every quarter. I want to know. I would rather know. Now you're probably extra vigilant on well, this. Well, my doctor says so. I'm ultra paranoid. But, yeah. But the point I'm trying to say is it's a good trait for me to bring to people we work with because I help them look to be more money vigilant. And everybody's got a different level of money vigilance. Um, even if I have a score of one or two on money vigilance, let's... Can your financial advisor help you boost that score? Well, so work with so how you would, on doing that. Yeah. So, so what should somebody expect? And and if we say, okay, listen, we know here's here's your history, here's your track record, right? And here's a way we we can do something better. If how you, would an advisor help somebody? If like you're that? a money avoider, yeah, I'd put you in a bathtub. And you ever see those things where they put you, they you like waterboard them? Well, if you feel like you remember, you like here? if you're afraid of bugs, they'll they'll dump bugs on you. Or I'm going to take all your statements, all your financial information. I'm going to dump on you. Look at it. Look at it. In other words, start with one statement at a time. Right. Open the envelope. Okay. Let's. I think the first step of the money avoidance is working toward looking at your finances, where a plan could be very helpful. You know the people who spend a lot of time trying to get through a financial plan, they don't want to do it. They're money avoiders, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to know what the, what the results are going to be. Where people who are, say, money vigilant, they're all into the plan. I'll get calls today. I know my money vigilance. Vigilantes. I know them. What's, what's, how's my plan holding up against this market and, and my spending? And ooh, 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 tell me my score. Tell me my, you know, I love that. 
Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but you're going to have to help. Even people that are money vigilant can be over the top. But also, I think I have and a lot of And you got to take those. them down a notch off the building. But yeah. Yeah, but, but we also have a lot of clients who know that's where they are. They know that we've, we've right. done the numbers. Right. And, you know, they say, okay, you know what? These times are going to occur. They're going to happen. I understand that we can't miss all of it. And, you know, we're going to have investments that are going to go down. And But Danny, but, what is cool, and I know it's cool for you too, and a lot of our planners, when we run the numbers through this distress their level of success has not changed because mm -hmm. we built the plans for storms like this. That's right. So they don't have to cut back their spending. I said to a client yesterday, you're at 98% success. You've been at 98% success. Nothing has changed, even though times have changed. But if you want to cut back, I'm all for it. <laughs> if you want to be more vigilant here, to make it through just to be safe. And there's where, see, here's the thing as an advisor where I have to be concerned, Danny, is I don't want some of my money vigilance or my, I don't want my money script to bleed on you. I got to sometimes, and that's why financial advisors should know their own money script to know when, wait a minute, am I, am I pushing too hard on someone who's not money vigilant? Or if someone is money vigilant, am I raising their anxiety or am I taking it away? So as a financial advisor, this is a must. This is a must. When I was starting my job at J.T. Moran, which is the subject of the movie Boiler Room, <laughs> everybody drove these fancy cars. And I come up with a Dodge Stratus. And everybody picked on me. You need to go out there and get yourself a Jaguar, get yourself a Mercedes. I'm like, these guys are... Because I didn't understand at the time. You guys are financial advisors? Then I found out what it really is. You know, just a bunch of penny stock pumpers. But, um, you know, I was the guy that showed up in a Dodge Stratus. Sometimes my tires were slashed. Windows broken. <laughs> Get a new car, loser. No, I'm not. <laughs> so it, it, I'm, I'm happy with my money vigilant. I'm glad the scores came out the way they are. But it's important for clients and advisors to take this. So I think this is a great. Um, I think this is great for people to know. Yeah, yeah. It I, is. I would love to see Danny's. It would probably be close to what mine is. Oh, I think it'd be very close. I'll take it this weekend. Okay, that will match it up. This is what we call match game. Oh, that's gonna be scary. I wish I could do a Paul Lynn impression. Hello, Paul Lynn was the best. Listen, tomorrow we got candy coffee. Don't be spooked. Saturday, right? 8 a.m. Sign up at Real Investment Advice. We've got lots of people. Lots of good stuff to share with you tomorrow. A lot of great questions. If you have any questions, oh my gosh, yes. send them to us. Go we to realinvestmentadvice.com. Erica in our office is organizing the questions. They're so pretty the way she organizes them. Uh, so we, uh, we, hope to, we hope to see you tomorrow. And again, thanks for staying with us on Financial Fitness Friday. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.